Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. I am joined as always by Jeff Went and Kyle Mackey. How are you guys doing? Doing great today, Dominic. Uh, strong, solid road effort from the boys. Uh, strong effort after a, a tough loss the week before. And, you know, that's kind of what we've come to know and love about this club is the, the you know, the bounce back effort that they have every week uh, off a tough game as, as was last week. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's like Jeff said, I mean, this, it's what we've kind of come to expect. And it's it's because the team always seems to have that kind of resolve. And I mean, I'm sure that uh, they got a talking to last week from from Coach Shantz. And I mean, I'm sure they were disappointed themselves. They had a, you know, a great opportunity. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of eyes were watching and it just it wasn't the performance that any of us were looking for. So so to see a response this week and to see us get a get a great result on the road, um, yeah, it's you know great. A little bit different having the the 12 p.m. kickoff, but uh, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, it felt like football season. Things get yeah. started earlier, <laughs> and they're done earlier. And Jeff, what about all these changes? Yeah, quite quite a bit of changes in this match. Six of them, to be exact. Uh, uh, you know, Duigi Mala comes in on the back line, as well as Devonte Debose for for Joe Farrell and Cody Wakasa on the back. And then you see uh, a lot of changes in the midfield. Uh, you know, Lambert comes back on after his suspension. Then you also get uh, you get Alessandro Rigi. And Colin Fernandez interjected into the starting lineup. So I mean, you know, it was great to see, you know, you know, Rick Chance saying, you know what, it was a bad game in in Real Monarchs, and maybe this is a wake up call to the boys. And you know, glad on Rick for making these changes. I mean, he could have just said, you know what, we had a bad game, let's just chalk it up to a bad game, and we'll give it another run. But hey. You know, first of all, you've got to deal with the three-game suspension of Gladstone Waco, and you know what better way than than giving you know players like Colin Fernandez and and Devin Vega a nice run out there. Uh, you know, you see Alessandro Rigi on the on the on the left-hand side. Boy, did he make a difference today, you know, in the play that he had. But you know, let's let's start talking about this game right away and. You know, you could definitely see the energy level was different in these boys, and it showed right at the seventh minute. Get a corner kick off, you know, off a good good run of play. 
Rigi goes over, takes the corner kick. Chris Cortez gets high up in the air, gets high above everybody else, and heads it past Kendall McIntosh for a one nothing lead right away. And how many times, guys, have we talked in past weeks of, you know, we're not getting these good starts uh, uh, in recent matches. We, we haven't had a good 15, 20-minute run of play. Interject some new players into the end of the game, and look what happens all of a sudden. Now now you've got uh, you got a goal within the first 10 minutes. That's something great we've been asking to see week after week after week, and it just hadn't been happening. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, on the road – to be able to get that, I mean, it's it's huge for the team and especially for the guys that, that, you know, hadn't been on the field in so long, to be able to get that goal and get some confidence in them and, you know, just be able to, to keep working their way through the game. I think that was a great, great start. And, I mean, on Cortez's part, I think for him to, to just get free and wide open in the box like that, I mean, he's he's a big guy and Rigi had a quality service into the box. So, I mean, when we're able to do that, it, it, uh, it makes the goal look easy. So you get more into into first half action. Uh, uh, Cortez got a great shot in the 23rd minute uh, that Kendall McIntosh has to make another great save on. Uh, Portland finally gets its first shot off in the 26th minute by Loria, who puts it over the top. Asante almost makes it two nothing to Rising in the 27th minute, clangs it off the crossbar. It's a possibility McIntosh may have gotten a touch to that. We're not sure, um, but. You know, still, solid run of play for these boys. They're making passes in the middle. You know, one of the things we saw today that we've been seeing in previous weeks that we did not see, a lot of over-the-top balls. There are not not that many over-the-top balls today, guys. There was a lot of more direct play. And I think when you look back to when we had so much success, May and June, it wasn't because of the over-the-top ball that we were trying to play. It was more because of the more direct style of passing, you know, and credit that to Kevon Lambert, credit that to Colin Fernandez, credit that to Solomon Asante, credit that to Devin Vega. Those guys, direct balls, playing it, whether it's in the middle or, through, or you know, a through ball, you know, out to the edge where you're throwing a cross in, I mean, I think that's the style of Phoenix Rising that we've been missing in the, I, I would say, the last four to five weeks. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I love that we were above 45% possession today, that we completed almost 400 passes, and our passing accuracy was at least closer to 80% than 70. All of these things are small steps, but they're big steps in the right direction, and I love to see those numbers. I think you have to make the argument that this midfield does a better job playing direct, distributing the ball better. I mean, it sure looked that way today. I agree completely, and I mean, I think, I think that it's, it's. I mean, it's what we've been lacking these past couple games, and I mean, it, as far as I think our attack when we're more, when we're direct, I think it, it gives Cortez better opportunities and allows. It allows the people around Cortez to get opportunities themselves. I mean, we saw today Fernandez was able to get up into the box and get a goal, and the same with Asante. So, I mean, it, when we sit back and play the long ball, we're really kind of limiting ourselves to just Cortez having to create and hope that something falls his way or we get a penalty call. So, I mean, I definitely think the direct style is the way to go, and I'd look to see that going forward. Yeah, definitely. 
because I, I I think we all agree. I think we all agree when we say this. The more direct style is a style that seems to suit us better. I mean, it just when when you have that more direct play, you look at it. It gives Solomon Asante the chance to create better. It gives Alessandro Rigi. How many times did Rigi beat his man out on the on the left hand side just by using his speed and creativity instead of having to try to to play a ball that you know if you're playing it off of a, 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 a you know say a lob pass you know to the corner you know it doesn't give Rigi as much chance to use his skills there as it does when he's got a ball in space and can run at somebody there were two or three times when Rigi almost you know had had the defender laying on the ground just because he couldn't keep his feet straight, you know. And the same thing with Solomon Asante. There were two or three chances where he had balls in the middle of the park where he was just making two or three people miss, and it opens things up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's, like we said, I think it's what we've been lacking. I think that that when we're able to use that speed out on the wings and then, you know, we have – we know that Asante and Rigi can both put a ball, a great ball into the box and we have Cortez who's been such a threat. So, I mean, yeah, I really think that, that rather than trying to play that long ball for midfield and hoping we get something to fall for us, if we, if we let the players use their talent and play direct, I mean, I think that it just suits us better. And, I mean, defensively, I thought today how we were able to get – nearly the entire team behind the ball. I mean, I even saw at times Cortez behind the ball and us able to sit back as a team and defend and then press and go forward. I mean, I just think that all around our shape today was much better than what it was in uh, Salt Lake. Couldn't agree more. Um, there were still some nervy moments in the first half where Timbers yep. 2 could come on counterattacks, but in general, we limited those chances. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, you know, 30th minute. Uh, you know, Konecki gets a shot off. You know, that, that went way off target. Then Carl had to make a big save there in the 34th minute on a shot. Had to had to get fingertips to it to knock it out for a corner kick, um, but was able to take care of that one. Uh, the only other real, you know, I don't even know if you want to call it an attempt, but Loria had a deep shot from distance in the 39th. That Carl, you know, it kind of just rolled nice and easily to Carl. But to get off the pitch, one nothing at the half. Obviously, that you know, that's the you know the best you can ask for in a first half on a, on the road is you, you get the early goal, you play your solid you know road game on the end, and you know there you go, one nothing at the half. I mean, you you can't really ask for much better than that. No, no, and I mean, I thought, I thought going in halftime, I mean, I, there was still work to be done. I mean, I, I knew that if we left it at one nil, and you know, we saw that that uh, Timbers were able to get get something back. So I mean, I think that we knew we had more to to get out of the game, but to go into the half one nil with eleven men, I mean, that's <laughs> as of late, that hasn't been something we've been able to do. So I mean, that was huge for us, I think. Yeah, a very encouraging first half, uh, being up on the road, not giving up too many clear-cut chances, all 11 men, like you said, Kyle, um, all great things to take into those final 45. Yep, let's get into that final 45. A couple of nervy moments right there at the beginning of the second half, 52nd minute, uh, 
ball comes right into the box that, that Amadou Dia has to, to clear uh, just to create a corner. Uh, you know, shot from distance in the 53rd from Loria that Waz made a save on, you know, 57th minute. There was another shot from distance that went over the top. Um, then we saw the interjection of Joe Farrell into the lineup for Joseph or for Luigi Mala. Mala came out with cramps. Uh, Rick Schantz uh, told our Mark Murray of Firebird uh, Soccer after the match that uh, that he had developed cramps, and that's why uh, uh, that Farrell had come on for him. So obviously, kind of got the team settled down a little bit, which is actually a good thing because it helped create the next. Uh, attempt for Phoenix Rising. Uh, great one-two effort from Solomon Asante and, and uh, Devin Vega inside the box. Uh, Vega then hits a cross, which goes behind Chris Cortez. I think he was trying to originally go for Cortez on it, but it ended up going behind him. But fortunately enough, there was nobody in space in the Timbers 2 defense, and it fell right to Colin Fernandez, and Fernandez just put his head down, and drilled it past Kendall McIntosh for a 2-0 lead. Uh, Colin Fernandez's first goal as a Phoenix Rising member, uh, you know, great to see, you know, especially for the work effort that he had put in on this day. Uh, you know, it was great to see him get the finish on that one. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I believe this was his first start coming back from injury, too. Hadn't seen the field in a while, and yeah, I mean, to get that first goal... Um, as a, as a new player coming in, I mean that's always what you want to get get that first goal, get get over the hump, and just you know get down to business. So hopefully moving forward we see more out of him. I mean I think I think from his play on the field today we'll we'll definitely see him starting again in the next couple of weeks, if not uh, next week. Yeah, really exciting to see uh, Fernandez get on the end of that. I kind of feel bad for that Timbers two defender that tried to clear that off the line got nailed in the head and it still went in uh, that definitely didn't work out well um, but that's also goes to show all match there were so many times where we were able to get the ball out to the wings and play balls through the middle in the first half we didn't have a lot of guys on the end of those balls but they were still dangerous situations Sante created a couple Rigi created a couple on this goal Vega and Asante work together to create it. And you love to see that. That's something we've been sorely missing the last few weeks. Uh, those attacks that are really being driven from the wing. Um, so kind of a vintage performance in that aspect. And definitely want to see more of that. Because it allows guys to come from the midfield like a Fernandez and put the ball in. Yeah, definitely for sure. So we get back into, you know, more second-half play. Fernandez comes off the field shortly after scoring that goal. Uh, James Musa comes on as a substitute for him. I was a little worried that they made this sub at this point just for the simple reason, okay, we're up 2-0. I was a little worried about them trying to play the park-the-bus mentality, you know, as you're bringing on a defensive midfielder for somebody who is being a little bit more offensive on the day okay let's see how it works out and unfortunately it worked out kind of in a in a bad sense but you know it, you know this play wasn't really moose's fault um you know two minutes after he comes on the field uh penalty awarded to timbers two carl wazinski trying to play the ball misses misses the ball catches the player 
there really isn't much room to argue this penalty call. I mean, it was the right one, but you know, you figure it's going to be two one. Foster Langsdorf steps up. He's got ten goals on the season. You figure he's going to he's going to hit it. Well, he did hit it, but guess what? Carl guessed right. Got a fingertip on it. Got it to the post. Unfortunately, nobody saw uh, Farfan on the back post. Uh, Solomon Asante gets it a little bit too late. Farfan slots it past Carl Wazinski, makes it a 2-1 game. I mean, you know, heck of an effort, though, from Carl, just, first of all, to save the penalty. I mean, just happened to be, you know, leaning in that direction and just to be able to get a fingertip on it, you know, great effort by him to do that. So, you know, tough, tough, though, that, that Asante... Uh, and you really can't blame Asante too much for missing it on the backside because he was a little bit more focused on the guys that were sitting, you know, right on, you know, the arc of the penalty spot. Didn't see that Farfan was coming from an eight-yard run behind him and to his and to his left. So, you know, I really don't, you know, I can't fault him that much because his, his focus was on the inside. But then again, yeah, that's something you, you got to pay attention to every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and you feel for Waz because, I mean, he worked so hard, and, I mean, he made that save, and we all know that Carl loves clean sheets. So, I mean, it's it's it sucks for him, but, I mean, I mean, as you said, I don't think Asante can be really called out for that. I think that, uh, I mean, he was – he was doing his job. It's just it just so happened the person that scored was right where he was, and it uh, I think it makes him look worse than it, it, he really was on that play. Yeah, it all happened just very fast, and you know credit to Carl for the save, credit to Farfan for the follow up, but at least we're still up two one, and at this point you're thinking this might be a nervy finish, but things end surprisingly well. Yes, they do, and surprisingly well. Eight minutes later, uh, you know, a great play from from uh, Solomon Asante to Chris Cortez, and Cortez makes it look so nice and easy, slots it past Kendall McIntosh for a 3-1 lead. And at this point, I think Phoenix Rising fans could, could you know, breathe a little bit better sigh of relief, you know, able to get that, that third one in there so quickly. And then, you know, to come back seven minutes later and for Cortez to do the favor back to Solomon Asante. And Solomon Asante slots it past Kendall McIntosh for the 4-1 lead. I mean, you you really couldn't ask for any better finish. But, what you know, credit to these guys for not taking the foot off the gas, even at 3-1. I mean, they could have just sat back and said, you know what? You know, enough's enough. We, you know, we got a two-goal lead. We got seven minutes left. Not too big of a deal to worry about. But credit, you know, credit to the guys for keeping it up. And that's something we haven't seen in a while from these guys is that killer instinct to finish a game off. And it was great to see these guys do it. You know, today on the road. Absolutely. Um, I just. Um, I love that Chance switched the lineup so much because those same starting 11 had been playing a lot with minor changes. In this match, you know you're going to have to make big switches. You know you're going to need it because of this T2 side. They play fast. They have a lot of energy. They also had a lot of guys from their first team coming down for this match too. 
up top. These are guys that get a lot of uh, MLS action, so you knew you were going to have to bring a lot of energy to match that, and this lineup did it. Uh, puts in a great situation. We're back up into that tie for second place with a match in hand. Um, you know, this team never stays down for multiple matches. Maybe we lose one, but I feel like we always come back strong, and they showed it again. Yeah, they did show it again. You know, and, and you know, we don't want to forget what happened at the end of this match. Um, you know, giving up another penalty late, you know, to T2. Uh, Foster Langsdorf again steps up. And for the second time, Carl guesses the right direction, makes the save on Langsdorf's penalty. Two penalty saves uh, in one match for Carl Wazinski. Uh, you know, I don't even want to venture the last time that something like that may have happened for him. But, you know, great on him and, and, and great effort from the boys to finish this thing out 4-1. Uh, and like you said, gets back into that tie for second place. Unfortunately, we sit in third due to goal differential, you know. But, you know, I, I think a lot of positive moving forward. I think, you know, obviously Cortez is going to get a lot of look now this week at Player of the Week, you know, possibly get that honor for the second time this year. I think he'd be the first player in the league to do that, if I'm correct, if he were to get that honor. Obviously, Carl deserves, you know, a good look at you know, for goal, you know, for team of the week being the goalkeeper, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Maybe even see maybe a Colin Fernandez, you know, get himself into the midfield for his first ever goal in a rising uniform. This could be a good this could be a good week for USL team of the week and player of the week and all those kinds of honors and you know even even seeing Carl maybe up for save of the week might possibly be there as well. So, you know, all in all, great effort from the boys uh, uh, on this road match. Yeah, no, no debate there. Um, possibly our best road performance of the season. Uh, what, what do we want to move on to uh, after this match? Well, well, before before we move on to the Orange County match, uh, like I said, Mark Murray of Firebird Soccer was in attendance at the game uh, in Portland on Sunday, and uh, actually had the opportunity to. Uh, talked to Rick Shines after the match. Uh, he did ask him, uh, and these are broken up into three different uh, three different quotes that you'll hear. The first the first one he talks about, uh, you know, being able to get that early goal and get on the front foot uh, early in this match. The second uh, quote that he talked to him about was asking him about making so many changes to the lineup for this week's match. And then finally, he talked to him with the lat. You know, now that you have 12 matches left in the season what are you kind of looking for this club to do you know on this uh run to the to the end of the final of the regular season and you know here's here's what rick had to say after the match very very important you know we talked about it as a team that uh you know these guys are good a lot of first team guys came down there they had a great road trip down in la uh we had to stay focused we knew it wouldn't be easy um but we also knew that uh, on set pieces with Chris Cortez, you always have a chance. You know, so the focus really is uh, if we defend and we work hard and we keep things in front of us, we know that as a game opens up, we're a pretty dangerous team. So uh, uh, to get the early goal, it kind of knew that the game would have to open up at some point, and, and it did. Well, to be honest, uh, you know, I rode a group pretty long, and we had a great month of June, and 
we go to Real Monarchs at 1v2 and under a bunch of pressure we, we showed a lack of discipline and uh, we cracked under the pressure and uh, those guys need a message, they need to understand that that's not who we are and, and we have to be more calm and cool and collected so uh, these, some of these other guys got chances and that's really what it came down to. And, team and rewarded themselves at the same time um, and, and that was the biggest idea for the changes you know obviously moving forward now uh, it builds confidence for the whole group so from, from 1 to 24 I'm, I'm feeling really good. We have to play you know I, I think the last few weeks uh, we had kind of an up and down roller coaster because we were getting stressed out and just kicking the ball on and hoping Chris would knock it down for counterattacks and the whole focus this week was to, to be brave, and when I say be brave, I wanted them uh, to to take risks, you know. And this is the, they have to realize that if they want to be in the MLS, they're going to have to be better on the ball. And uh, you don't get better if you just keep kicking it all the time. So I'm very very proud. Uh, they listened to me. They showed the ability to be players when they won. Uh, they dealt with pressure very well today, and uh, they were rewarded. But uh, going into the rest of the season. It's going to be about keeping that bravery um, and just improving, and constantly improving. We let, uh, we, there were a few chances out there where I thought Portland could have capitalized, and we still have things to improve on. But uh, you know, the big man Didier will be back in a couple of weeks, and it'll be good to have him in training this week. And uh, I think you know, that, that uh, rising tide is on its way. And there's the comments of Rick Chance after the match. Uh, guys, the breaking news out of that discussion that you heard there with Rick Chance. Didier Drogba will be on the pitch this week in practice. You probably won't see him for a couple of weeks, but the big news obviously is the big man will be back next week practicing with the club. And you can't ask really for anything better at this point. No, no, not at all. And I mean, it's, we talked about it as when Drago was gone. I mean, this is kind of how we expected it to go down. He'll he, he'll be coming back this week, and I think I think it'll be great to have him back in practice. I think it'll be great for the team to have you know their their departed uh, leader to come back for a little bit and to be there. And I think the guys will feel great. And then to get him back on the field, I mean, I think that's going to be huge for our team. Um, I mean, I'm just really interested to see where he fits in and. With this, with this Lapo suspension, we know he'll be out for three games. So, I mean, that could be around when Drogba comes back. So, maybe we see Drogba just fill in where Awako left. I don't know right now, but uh, it'll definitely be interesting going forward. For sure. And when we think about the timeline, when will he come back? If he's starting training this week, he's not going to be in the match against Orange County. I'd be surprised if he he is even on the roster. We could see him on the roster for the Las Vegas match. And how fun would it be if he made his debut in Las Vegas? They have a grass field, even though it's really tiny out there. They do have a grass field. And then where I really hope he makes his debut is Wednesday, August 22nd against San Antonio. Uh, Because late August, early September, we have two of four matches against San Antonio FC who has been very hot lately. I would love to see Didier Drogba ready to go for both of those matches. Yeah, that could be that could be the right timeline for him 
you know, to show up on the field. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the big worry was could this club do it, you know, while he was gone? The answer, obviously, yes. Did somebody step up? The answer, obviously, yes, as Chris Cortez has, has, has shown that he was the man to really step up and take the, take charge. You know, Solomon Asante also stepped up big in this, you know, in this time period while he was away. You know, when you look at it, you know, we're still sitting top three, top two. I mean, we're tied for second. You, you know, you want to get technical third on goal differential, you know. But the, the biggest thing is we did not lose... Uh, you know, we didn't lose positioning while he was gone, and that's key. And, you know, to have a healthy Didier Drogba down the stretch, you know, not only can you really focus on the, you know, getting that top two, so you can guarantee yourself at least two home matches in the playoffs, you know, but the possibility that if for some small, you know, happening that Monarchs would happen to slip at some point down the rest of the season, you could have an opportunity at the top seed still. Granted, you're six points away from it, but again, the, the opportunity is still there to be had. Yeah, it's just exciting to see him back, and I love that they're saving him for the end, and the timing looks like it's going to be perfect for him coming into it in late August, early September, and he'll be ready to play his best soccer come playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it, I think it's perfect timing, and I think, I mean, we we know what we can get out of this team and how Drogba is is sometimes able to pull us, you know, from from a loss or a draw. He's able to to create that moment of magic. So to be able to have him back at such a critical time, I mean, it's going to be huge. And and like you said, Dominic, those those two games against San Antonio, I I agree. I think those are going to be huge matches where we'll definitely need his his influence. So uh, hopefully he's back by then. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, Jeff, were there any other any other takeaways from those interviews that we really should think about? Well, you know, one of the other takeaways I think when you know when you when you listen to it is you know we talk about the you talk we talked about the the, the big amount of changes that Rick made to this lineup. Uh, you know, going into this match. And like he said in that post-game comment, he gave them a chance against Real Monarchs to really prove their worth. And when they kind of fell flat and just didn't give the effort that Rick had expected, he felt it was time to make a change. He had he felt that he had run this lineup as best he could, as long as he could, but it was time to shake it up and say, hey, guys, you want to be out on the field, you need to show me the effort to be out on this field. And I think the guys today that were out on that field showed the effort that they really wanted to be there. Now, can we run with this lineup for a while? It's a possibility we could. But you got to remember now, with the interjection of a lot of these midweek matches coming up, you still got two or three of those midweek matches left down the road in this season. You're going to need your full complement of players you know, to run this this set of matches, especially when you think about what's coming up. You know, you've got Las Vegas on the 18th, and then you got to turn around four days later play San Antonio at home. Now, granted, it's two you know two different you know similar types of climates, so you're really going to need the full roster to really be ready to go on uh, you know on both of those matches. You know, I expect to see 
you know, the likes of an Evan Waldrop get some time. I expect to see Devin Vega and Colin Fernandez get more time. You know, you expect to see Didier Drogba hit the field. You know, I even expect to see a Kevon Frater and a Billy Forbes, you know, really, you know, be used in that stretch as well. You know, because you're going to have a three games in ten days pretty much stretch throughout that, that run. And you're going to need these guys to be at their best. And if you can have all 24 players going, you know, and, and providing their best effort, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this club. Yeah, that it is. And I mean, I think I think today seeing the, the rotation of players and seeing some of those guys that, that may feature in the midweek matches... Um, I mean, I think that Sean's wanted to see that, see that they were ready to go. And, I mean, they, they're more than ready. They got a huge result. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's all going to be about man management going forward. And I, I think Sean's is able to do it. I, I mean, I think I think that maybe the rotation was – it maybe came a little too late. I think maybe we played too complacent in the Monarchs match, and that's what really hurt us. Um, but, I mean, we can't look back and dwell on that now. We just – going forward we know we're gonna have to rely on more than just you know 12 to 13 guys we're gonna need the entire 24-man roster yeah and and thankfully uh this match today was a big advertisement for just how deep and how strong we can be uh with this full roster so hopefully the guys that aren't always getting regular starts continue to have big matches um you know the vegas the Fernandez's of the world because it's going to give us such a better um, playoff seating and it's going to give us a lot more hope when we're late in the season and things happen in playoff matches like someone gets injured. That's for that's definitely for sure. Well, at this point, is there any team news we should get to? Well, I guess the only bit of team news, I guess, if, if nobody had seen it already, uh, they did announce the Diplo bobblehead night date. Uh, so if you did not see that on Twitter, everybody mark your calendars for August 25th, uh, that Saturday night match. Uh, they will be handing out the Diplo bobbleheads that night, 2,500 available. So... My suggestion is if you want one, you get there early that night because uh, fans will definitely be clamoring for that one. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen we've seen the pictures of the bobblehead. And we've heard what it does, and it'll be so cool to see it in person. And, and, and you, know, you know, hats off again to the, to the organization for taking advantage of a situation when you can. And here they've done it again. Yeah, I mean it's it's, just, it's Sam Dore. I I feel I mean he's just he's brought this genius to to all of his promotions and I mean that you, you know they tease the Diplo bobblehead about a month back and you know they make it look like this uh, you know select item that there's only a few and then yeah now they're they're giving it away to the first 2500 fans at the game so to be able to have something so unique and so cool I mean it's it's going to be huge and I I mean great way to get fans out to a match um, I believe it's Colorado Springs that we play that night, so not necessarily the biggest draw as far as a, an opponent, but I mean, still, I think it'll be a great crowd. And yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, there will definitely be an early crowd at those gates. There will be uh, a lot of people clamoring to get in. Oh yeah, that's 
that's going to be a fun match, fun giveaway, um, and an extremely winnable game. So, I mean, other than the $1 beer part, that's going to be just about a fun night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, hey, maybe maybe they decide to uh, to uh, break the rule and have a dollar beer night on a Saturday. I think that that's – I mean, we all know that the team plays better, so <laughs> – the numbers don't lie. We're still yeah. perfect on <laughs> dollar beer true. nights. It is true. <laughs> you know, another small piece of news, I don't know how many people saw this, but midweek, several team owners were at the MLS All-Star Game. Looks like they were in a box, and, you know, take that with what you will, but maybe they were mingling with other MLS owners. Maybe they had Don Garber's ear for a second, um, the fact that they were there, it shows that they are in with the movers and shakers. It shows that they're very serious about the process. So it's it's good to see, right? I mean, it's not necessarily a big news story, but it's good to see. No, it's it's yeah, it's definitely good to see. You know, they were they were at the the All Star game last year, obviously. Uh, you know, we're there again this year, and you know, obviously the the, the invitation has been extended to Don Garber to come check out. Uh, phoenix when he has the opportunity and it sounds like he was going to take them up on that offer at some point we just don't know when when he would come out here you know but obviously you know they're they're making themselves known and they're making it known that they want to be that next club that gets selected and you know they you know they were in last week you know showing all of their their uh you know stadium plans and and dotting i's and crossing t's and you know showing the league that that you know what they want to do is, is for real and you know it's not just a pipe dream and you know keep moving forward that's all we you know it's all you can ask for from this from this ownership groups is keep moving forward and keep the process uh, pure and true it's i mean it's great to see and I, I mean it's it's awesome i'm sure from the for the owners it was great to be there and yeah to be able to chat with don garber a little bit i mean when I when I was watching the interview with him, I I didn't I mean he's he's definitely still playing his cards close to the vest. He's not he's not trying to to uh, give any kind of tease as to who he sees is coming next or who's the favorite or anything like that. But I mean I I just when you look at the the other markets and you look at Phoenix, like we've talked about, I mean almost every week I feel like it. You just don't see anyone that is as complete. And that has all the boxes checked that Phoenix does. So I mean, I mean, this it was very encouraging. I think to see our ownership group there, I would be more worried if they weren't there, honestly, because then you'd wonder, hey, what's going on? You know, this is a kind of gathering of MLS owners. We're potential MLS owners, so why aren't we trying to get our foot in the door? Um, so I mean, that, I think the fact that the owners were there is great, but I mean, kind of a bummer that there wasn't any sort of tease or announcement. But I don't think I don't think that it's time for that yet. I think that it's going to take a couple more months till this is set in stone. A couple agonizing months. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we've we've kind of known. I mean, it was always kind of said it would be December of this year. So I mean, I think that's what we we need to keep expecting. And I mean, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it goes into 2019, and maybe it's January, February of 2019 that we actually see an announcement. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair, right? The the key thing is that we have 
the leg up on a lot of other competitors for this next spot and certainly with two spots being open the fact that we are already a lot more involved with Garber than any other team I mean if we don't get spot 27 we're definitely getting spot 28 and it seems more and more likely that spot 27 is going to happen you know I, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a done deal by start of next USL season yeah I agree I think I think that's kind of how it plays out um, and I, I what I find most interesting is that it's seeming more like MLS is kind of thinking about capping the league at 30 or maybe 32 teams and leaving it at that so I mean it is going to be interesting I definitely agree with you that Phoenix is a lock on one of these next two spots I mean like I, I really think 27 is ours I don't I don't see anyone overtaking us, but even if that were to happen and someone were to come out of nowhere like, say, Nashville, I still think Phoenix has to have one of these next two spots because, I mean, it's like we've talked about, we're, we're going to be the largest team in the Southwest market. I mean, there's MLS needs to, to tap the soccer in this region, and I think, uh, I think they realize that, so I think it's just a matter of time. Let's definitely hope so. Um, Jeff, are we good to go into USL scores and standings? Yeah, let's get into some scores and standings this week. Uh, Wednesday, Orange County and Portland Timbers 2 had a 2-2 draw. Uh, LA Galaxy and Swill Park Rangers had a 1-1 draw. On Saturday, it was Colorado Springs getting a 2-0 win over Oklahoma City. Uh, Tobias Uzo uh, had a goal there. That's obviously the brother of... uh, of uh, Uchana Uzo, the former Arizona United uh, defender, so it was great to see him get hit, get a goal there in Colorado Springs. San Antonio gets a big 2-1 win over LA Galaxy 2. Uh, King and Guzman getting goals there for for San Antonio. Uh, St. Louis gets a 2-0 win over uh, Sounders 2. Uh, it was a Kyle Gregg early goal that got them uh, that winner there, followed up by a goal from Ledbetter. Uh, Orange County followed up that draw on Wednesday with a 2-1 win over Swope Park Rangers. Kind of a big win for them. Uh, that you know helps them in the standings. Sacramento got a 1-0 win over Fresno. It was a goal by uh, Villian Bijev that, that got them the victory there. And a late winner from Huiki in Las Vegas gets them a 1-0 win over Rio Grande Valley. Uh you know, anything catch your eye out there this week, Dominic, on, on those scores from the West? Um, you know, all along we've been talking about, you know, is San, San Antonio in trouble? When really, is Swope Park in trouble? I think you brought this up a couple weeks ago. And they were just kind of in a patch. But usually they bounce back from these, and that was my response then. They have not won a match since July 5th. It's been a full month, which means that they have gone with, it looks like, four losses. And they are now, you know, have a frustrating draw, coming off a frustrating home draw against RGV. Then they lose to Orange County. I mean, and their, their matches coming up are not easy. Their next three are home with Timbers 2, home with Reno, San Antonio so they need to pick things up ASAP because I mean I won't be mad if they miss the playoffs at all but 
they have not been in good form lately. And I'd rather see a Fresno or St. Louis in that eight spot. Yeah. Because definitely, we, we all know how dangerous a swope can be in the playoffs. We've seen it in the past. You know, we've seen it in the past from, from those guys. Um, you know, and the standings will bear it out here in just a second. You know, we'll, we'll go over them real quickly here. Uh, Real Monarchs at the top 44 points off of 21 matches played. Orange County holds the two spot at the moment, 41 points, 23 matches played. Same number of wins as Phoenix Rising, but a plus 22 goal differential, whereas Phoenix sits in third with a plus 16 goal differential with 41 points on 22 matches played. Sacramento's in fourth, 40 points on 23 matches played. It's Reno in fifth, 37 points on 21 matches played. San Antonio, with the win, moves up to sixth now, 34 points on 21 matches played. Uh, Timbers, two, with the loss, stays in seventh, uh, 33 points, 23 matches played with 10 wins over Swope Park Rangers, who is in eighth, 33 points, 23 matches, but only nine wins. So there's the tiebreaker there. Bottom half of the table is Colorado Springs in 9th, 31 points off of 25 matches played. Fresno is in 10th, 30 points off of 24 matches played. St. Louis is in 11th, 29 points on 21 matches. Las Vegas is in 11th, uh, I'm sorry, 12th. I'm sorry, they're 12th with 26 points on 21 matches played. 13th, Oklahoma City, 23 23 points on 23 matches. L.A. is in 14th, 20 points on 22 matches with 5 wins. Rio Grande Valley in 15th, 20 points on 21 matches played with only 3 wins. Seattle Sounders is in 16th, 14 points off of 20 matches played. And it's Tulsa at the bottom, 13 points off of 20 matches played. Obviously, the key numbers we look at again, the top four separated by four points uh, from Real Monarchs to Sacramento. Then it's, a, then it's a drop of six points to fifth place, Reno. Uh, Phoenix, uh, obviously, the, the key stats to look at here. Game in hand on Orange County and Sacramento. Uh, so you've got that. The only... Uh, Reno has one game in hand but would not surpass Phoenix. So obviously things working in Phoenix's favor again with this huge match coming up against Orange County. They'll probably make up that difference when they play that midweek match uh, in August against San Antonio. Again, San Antonio is making that run. They're at 34 points. Could they make a run towards the top four? It's a possibility. I mean... You know they, they they've got this run now where they've won four straight, uh, pushed themselves you know up above the line. So they're you know obviously they're a team to watch as you come out in the next little bit. But I think you know top four, top five after that. I think those five are safe. I would say from from Real Monarchs to to Reno at this moment are safe. Anywhere from Sacramento, or I'm sorry, San Antonio on down to maybe St. Louis in. Uh, in 11th, 29, they're only four points off the bubble, but they have two games in hand. So, you know, I think after St. Louis, anybody towards the bottom is, is, is you're not looking at playoffs. So I think right now you're probably looking at a race of seven, I'm sorry, six teams for three, for three playoff spots at this point. 
I mean, let's let's hope it shakes out this way, but it's looking like it might be the most fun race at the bottom of the table that we've seen in a while. You know, last year there was some potential for that, and it kind of fell apart with some matches. That all the drama was settled by the last couple weeks, uh, so the last week didn't mean much out west. This year, it's looking like it really could come down to that last last week and if that happens especially with us at the top not too worried about that drama it'll be really really fun to watch absolutely I mean from a fan perspective once once we're settled and locked up in either number one or number two yeah being able to sit back and just watch the you know top three or even four teams maybe battle it out for those bottom two three spots I mean that's it's always exciting, and I mean, those are the teams that are always uh, the most fun to watch because they have so much to play for, you know, trying to, to make the playoffs. So it'll definitely be entertaining if that does take place. I think another takeaway here is um, how important that second seed is going to be because none of those teams really scare me. I mean, maybe Fresno, maybe Fresno uh, would be a tough match uh, maybe Swope but none of those teams are like really making me think that you know we're going to be in for a real tough one um, but if you go up to like 5-6 where Reno, San Antonio Sac Republic at 4 are all those teams are a lot more tricky in my opinion yeah I totally agree with you those are the tricky matchups you know, there, but obviously you would be, you know, if you stay above that line, you know, you're looking at facing them in, in say, a, a semifinal matchup, you know, rather than facing them in the first round, and that would obviously bode a lot better for Phoenix Rising, you know, to, you know, to not, to not have to stress about, you know, getting through a match of that caliber until that, until that round were to come up, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would... <laughs> I think we all would love to stay away from those teams in the first round and, you know, get get a maybe a, a easier opponent for the first round and, yeah, be able to get that win and hopefully get us get us into the semifinals at home. Um, I mean, we've talked about it all season, uh, that, that second-place spot. I mean, it's going to be crucial being able to lock up that home field advantage. Um. We still have to preview Orange County, correct? Yeah, that's correct. We do need. Yep, we do need to talk about that club. Obviously, you know, forty-one points, sitting right in the same spot we are at. You know, at the moment, obviously, have us on goal differential by six. They've scored two more goals than us this season. So, obviously, the numbers are bearing everything out that this is going to be a pretty even match. And we've played them that way this year twice. Uh, you know, had the 1-1 draw to open the season, you know, back on March 17th, uh, Sante and, and Crognail with the goals in that first match. And then, obviously, everybody remembers the second time, every, you know, we played them June 29th, uh, you know, here at the Phoenix Rising uh, Soccer Complex. Uh Cortez gets the early goal in the 13th minute and then playing, having to play a man down for almost 60 minutes, you know, with the Cody Wakasa red card and, and really, you know, stepping up with a strong defensive effort to get that one nothing win. Obviously, you know, Orange County will be thinking about that when they come in, 
you know, face us this time. Obviously, you still remember Gladstone Walker was still out on suspension for this match. And obviously, the key names for, for Orange County haven't changed. Thomas Anavoldson, who leads, who's tied for the lead in the Golden Boot race with 12 goals and five assists on the season. Obviously, a, a, you know, a leading candidate for MVP of the league as well. Uh, Michael Seaton's got five goals on the season. Uh, Aiden Quinn has five goals, eight assists on the season. So, you know, the names haven't changed. What could be interesting, though, is who's going to start in net in that match. You know, la- the, the last time that Orange County was here, it was Andre Rawls in net. Everybody knows they picked up uh, Luis Lopez, uh, you know, recently, and he started four matches. But recently, uh, Casey Byers started the most recent match on Saturday, you know, in that uh in that game on Saturday, they got them that two-one win. So, you know, it could be a, it could be interesting as to who you're going to see in net in that match. You could get any one of the three at the rate they're going right now. But obviously, you know, we got to at least come out of this match with a draw. I mean, I will be happy with a draw. Win obviously would be great, but we can't, you know this is one of those matches that you know we can't afford to lose our footing at home and. and you know, a point is key. Three points is better, obviously. Yeah. Right. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it, Kyle. I, I was just gonna say. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely take one point from this match gladly. I mean, <laughs> rather than giving up three. I mean, that, it would be so tough to take a loss here. I mean, as we were just talking about keeping that second place spot. Um, I mean, I think a, a win would be great. It would be huge. But, uh, I mean, a draw is not going to be a bad result. We, I mean, we've talked about it. We've been so even with this team over the past couple years that it's, I mean, it's it's almost funny how these games just turn out to be either a, a nil-nil stalemate, a 1-1, or like a 1-0. They're always going to be tight with Orange County. So, I mean, I think we expect the same for this match. Um, I mean, I, I I definitely would love to see a win. I think it'll really just depend on the guys on the field if they're able to keep up that uh, high pressure and direct play that that they had against Timbers too. I mean, it's not going to be as easy. Orange County's a much more physical team, and I mean, like like Jeff was talking about, they're very talented, uh, and they have a Golden Boot leader right now. So I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a, a tough match. But I think that as long as we get something out of this, we can hold our heads high. Yeah, it's definitely not it doesn't feel like as much of a must win as our first home match against OC, but this one is still an important match. I mean, we're tied on points first and second place and it would be awesome to just be this game again. And really, just distance ourselves from who's boss. Uh, but yeah, because keeps that going into a into a stretch of probable matches. And what do you guys see this, or uh, do you guys see us winning this match? Because I think I think we'll be able to pull out a two-one. Orange County's had some decent results lately, but they have not had many clean sheets in recent weeks. Uh, I t- I tend to fancy a one-one draw here just because you know Orange County has always played us so tough. I mean you know I I think what I think what's going to happen is we're going to get on the board early and I think 
you know, something maybe early second half that they might pull something to get it back in. Um, just, you know, hoping, you know, to, to, to preserve position more than anything else. But, uh, you know, if, if we could sneak out a 2-1 win, I'd love it. I mean, I, I would take it for sure. Yeah, I, I'm torn. I mean, it, the the romantic in me wants to say a 2-1 and go with you, Dominic, that we get the win. But the realist says a 1-1 draw just because of, of the history that we have, you know, just constantly getting a draw. Like Jeff said, I think we come out hot and, yeah, maybe get an early goal and then um, – yeah, Orange County's able to find a way back into the match, but I mean, I would love, I would love to see if if they do find their way to get back in the match early on in the second half to see see a comeback from Phoenix Rising and us to get a late game winner to win it 2-1. I think I think that would be a huge win for us, and I mean, go, I think that would really uh, in our sales. No matter what, it's going to be a fun match. It always is when these two teams play. And definitely be there, be loud, be proud, because every one of the fans is going to be needed to get that little edge that it takes to get the three points. Uh, With that being said, I think we can go to supporter section. We do have some supporter section questions this week after an amazing victory. Turns out people would rather talk about a 4-1 win than a 4-1 loss. Shocker. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got as far as supporters section questions are concerned. Um, last I checked, we had three or four. And it looks like... So sorry. Here, just have to pull them all up. Um... Let's see. So our first one, we do have four. And our first one is going to come from Albert Godleski. Very, very uh, frequent listener. Thank you for the support at a godless key. Should Rigi be getting more playing time? He seems to bring an extra bit of energy, and I believe he's second on the team in assists. What do you guys think? Uh, I agree with him completely. I mean, he does bring a different energy to the game. I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier in the season where we thought, you know, maybe he was best to be used as a super sub just because of the way the formation was setting up. You know, but with all the changes that have happened recently and with all the, you know, all the struggles uh, that, that some individuals have had, you know, I think we saw, you know, what we – remember from last year of Rigi that he just given the opportunity turns the jets on and he's able to change the game in an instant just like that and I think that's what we love as fans as is the fact that you have somebody like that I mean think about you know if you were to interject Billy Forbes and Alessandro Rigi maybe kind of use them back and forth so that not only can you keep both of those guys fresh but at the same time, you give that instant hit of speed that for a while we were missing there. I mean, when Billy when Billy went down, I would have loved to have seen Reggie been interjected in the lineup, but it just didn't happen. But now we see Forbes came in for a little bit, interjected his speed into things. 
now we brought Rigi in and look at what Rigi's done. He's interjected his speed into things. It changes the it changes the whole balance of this team, I think. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it before we recorded this. I mean, I I, I think Rigi definitely needs to be starting. I mean, we need to see him on the pitch more than we have. I mean, he, he contributes every time he's on the field. And um, like you said, being able to, to use his speed, it's something we've been missing. And, I mean, we saw it today. His speed and Solomon Asante's speed on the wing and their interchanging play, I mean, we just torched the Timbers. I mean, we ran all over them, I felt like, and just tired them out. And I mean, they were talking about the heat. I think it probably affected the Timbers 2 team more than it did Phoenix. But... I mean, when you have that, when you have a player that can that can do that, I think that's huge. And and to go off of your point with with supplementing him with Billy Forbes, I think I mean I think that's what we need to do because I think Billy Forbes he's struggled to produce so far this season. And yes, he's he's been injured, but even when he's been on the field back from injury, he hasn't done much yet. But I think I think that having him and Reggie so that we can substitute one of them if the pressure is getting to one or they're just having an off night. I think that's a great option. And, yeah, I mean, I would I would love – I think Rigi deserved to get a start again against OC this week. I would love to see his pace out on field because I just think we're a better team when we have him out there. I mean, he's just able to break down players one-on-one and to work with the rest of his teammates to create. So, I mean, all around, I just think his play has been awesome. Yeah, it's – Kind of surprising we haven't seen Rigi more for the last few months, and this is his first start he's gotten since, I think, May. Uh, that definitely needs to change because I think a lot of times people think of Rigi as, oh, he brings energy, and they instantly put him in that sub role, but he can bring energy for a full match too. And so maybe not every week, but I think more often than we've seen, he should get the chance to bring that energy from the opening whistle. So... I am with you, you guys know, there. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 I, and I think too that you know you got to remember that that along this whole stretch of of games here where you know we went goal you know we, we went defense was goalless in June. He was you know Rick was running with the lineup that was constantly doing the best job, and it, you know, and it just happened to be that it that what he was doing wasn't fitting what Reggie needed to be, but now that. You know things have kind of changed where they've had this stretch of games where they, you know, win one and lose one and win one and lose one. You know, I I, I think changing things up, best thing to do. And how do you change it up? You change it up with some speed, and I think that's what we saw today. Yeah. Or I, I think the change is necessary. I think I think after our long stretch, I mean, teams watch film on Phoenix when, before they play us, and I think teams were able to figure us out on how to defend against us and to break us down and to to take away our best players so to be able to mix it up and have different styles that we can go to I think that's going to be a great thing and I, I'll definitely look look forward to seeing what Rick does tactically I mean I think that yeah maybe we do see a little bit of a different lineup against Orange County just because they're a tougher a more defensive team than Timbers too but I mean like I said earlier I also think that Rigi deserves to get the start so it's it's going to be really interesting to see who's on the field next Saturday. For sure, and you guys make great points about why Reggie should get more time. Um, next question comes from the ghost of Luke Rooney. Is today's lineup our best? Have to feel like at least the midfield combo we ran may be our best. 
they really dictated the game well. Vega creates, Fernandez is the engine, and Lambert has quality on both sides. What do you guys think? I think we still need to see a, I think you made the point earlier that we kind of still need to see a little bit more from Vega just to see you know what what he can provide and what he can do. You know, obviously having a Waco in the middle of the park is is for his just for his controllability of the game and the controllability of the ball, you know, I think is key, you know, but I think at times though we were getting flat as well, you know, when we were sitting in that formation. I, I think, you know, we're, we're obviously going to say that today was better because we scored four goals. You know, that's 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 you know, that's great. I tend to go back to right before, uh, you know, when right before Patrice had left, and we had a lineup where we had Kavon Lambert and Colin Fernandez working together. Not quite like what they did today, you know, but. You know when they were working together as a defensive midfield pairing earlier in the season, you know, and you had, you know, you had Asante out wide. You had, I, I think, if I remember right, I think Drogba was sitting in that ten role. I, I think when when he had that roster going, and then you had either the combination of Forbes or Alessandro Rigi out on that side. You know, I, I think. You know, once we see Drogba and see where he fits into everything, you know, I think then we'll have a better idea as to what the best combination of midfielders might be to to, to push forward towards the end of the season here. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's as far as the midfield today. I mean, I would say yes. I think Fernandez is in that conversation. I'm not so convinced on Vega, but that's just due to the lack of his playing time. I think he showed some good stuff today. I think. I think that he he didn't show you know quite the Christmas, but I mean he hasn't had any game experience. So as going forward, I mean when we have these midweek matches, I'll definitely look to see Dev get on the pitch because I think he definitely needs it for his development. And I think he's a I think he's a quality player that has a lot of talent. And uh, if we give him the opportunity, I think he can use it. I mean he doesn't have the the veteran skill and knowledge that Gladson Owako has, but I mean. As we talked about, we're going to be without him for the next few weeks, so and Drago is not going to be available, so we're going to have to find somebody to fill that role. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. It's really tough to uh, say one way or another that for sure this is the best midfield lineup. I think everyone brings something to the table, and all of these guys need to play more regular minutes than they have been. Um, I mean Lambert is a pretty regular fixture in our starting lineup, so that's that's kind of nice. That's not really going to change anytime soon. Um, you know, Vega, let's let's see it a couple more times because he did show a lot today, but let's see if we can continue to see that creativity from him. And Fernandez, I think he came out with something to prove today. He, uh, he definitely proved it with the goal and with being active and I think he does bring more of a creative spark than Gladson Owako does. So if you're looking for creativity, I do like Fernandez and Vega as part of that 4-3-3. Um, you know, as, as far as what does that mean for Owako, what does that potentially mean for Billy Forbes, what does that mean for some of those other guys, 
I don't know. So I, I don't know if today's lineup is the best. I really, and this is one thing we haven't talked about, I really like DeBose at right back again. I feel like he played very solid early in the season, and then he just kind of fell out of favor for whatever reason, or maybe when we went to the three-back system, he was the odd man out. Um, but now he's back in, and I really like seeing DeBose at right back. I always felt like his physical presence, like he really stabilizes things back there. Uh, Wakasa can maybe bring a little bit more attacking, but um, DeBose is just really consistent, really stable, I think. Oh, I, I agree completely. I think he had a great game out there today. I mean, his speed, they commented on it a few times. I mean, a lot, most of the guys in the USL aren't going to beat him in a foot race. And, I mean, his, his positioning is back there. Um, I, I really want to see him at the right back spot. I feel like now that we're kind of going away from the three-man back line, we, sh- we should see more of him. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I thought Devontae played a great game today. You know, he, he stayed with his man. He pushed forward when it was when it was asked of him to do that. Um, you know, his physicality, I think, is better than Wakasa's right now. And I think that's something that as you head down the stretch and you get into a playoff run, that I think being a little physical out on the edges may end up being the key of, you know, whether, you know, we can move on or not. Because if you you're being able to play physical out on those edges, you're not allowing balls to be crossed like you know, like our ability to, to cross balls in. When you look at our when you look at our play and you look offensively when when we're crossing balls in, defenders aren't coming out and meeting meeting our players, you know, so it gives us the ability to get that cross off. Where on on the other hand when we're playing it defensively, we're putting our we're putting ourselves out there and being physical enough to cause those things not to happen, you know, and it forces them to bring the play inside where if you're going up against a Duigi Mala or a Mike Defon or a Joe Farrell, you know, you're liking your chances probably a little bit better there, you know, intercepting the ball and, and turning around and starting a counterattack. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree completely, and I think – I think we'll definitely need his presence come playoff time. Um, I mean, it's it's. I think it'll be huge. And I mean, I just think all around we we. I think we got a little too used to seeing the same starting eleven and seeing those same guys. And yeah, we were getting the results, but I think eventually we saw that it it wore them down, and they just weren't able to put out that kind of performance every single week. So I mean, I think this rotation is necessary. And I mean, I think we need to see more of it to keep these guys fresh and. I mean, just be able to have everyone ready for playoffs and in their best form. Yeah. Uh, Just exciting to see a lineup that can come through. And, you know, I think we're getting closer and closer to finding our best 11 for the playoffs. Um, Still more uh, questions to think about. The supporters section came through today with some great ones. These last couple are MLS-related. And the first one comes from... Ruben Rivera, who has been really good at commenting in recent weeks. There was a post from one of our owners on Instagram about Don Garber being the guest of Governor Ducey during his visit to Phoenix. How much moment will that have for 
bid having the governor of the state of Arizona involved in this process. I didn't know about this. I, I didn't know about this either, but I don't know that it has... I, was, I wasn't aware of it. And, you know, I don't know that it has a huge effect as far as, you know, whether, you know, it means anything to the MLS bid. I mean, it can't hurt it. I, you know, it, it may help it a little bit. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know that, that the state is really, I mean, I mean, unless it still has something to do with, you know, maybe the, maybe the land deal getting done that the governor has to get involved. I don't know, you know, but does it help it? Does it hurt it? I don't think it does that much. No, I, I don't think it does anything, but I think it's, it's a good sign. I think more than anything, I mean, it, it, you, if, if, um, if, you know, you didn't see this kind of activity, you'd kind of question just the fact that they're engaging and, and yeah, like, like Jeff said, maybe it has something to do with the land. I mean, that, that could be if, if Ducey is involved in some way, but, um, I mean, it, no, I don't think like Jeff, I don't think it, it's good or, I mean, definitely not bad, but I, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's a sign that things are just going according to plan. I don't, I think that, you know, these are the types of things that happen when you bring a professional sports team into a new market, you know, they have to have the government and everyone involved. So I think this is just another step. Yeah. I, I don't know um, what to take away from it other than it seems like, It is, it is that uh, you know the governor is on board with that, but I think that's more symbolic than anything. Um, our last question comes. I hate to always bring up our MLS bid, but how do we feel about Garber's comment saying not everyone can have night games and teams in that environment need closed stadiums? A knockback for us, or something we've probably addressed behind the scenes already? That's something we've addressed behind the scenes already. I mean they. They know the plans of the stadium. I mean, we've proven ourselves that we can pack the facility. You know, we're going to find a way to cool it down. You know, I, I think it's just a lot of hearsay and a lot of just, you know, speak talk, you know, for, for you know, for the league saying, well, you need to find a way to make it work. Well, they they are making, they are finding a way to make it work. Fans and, and you know, this, this watershed, you know, that they're talking about and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I you know, it works in LA. I mean, I mean, shoot, they're playing a game in the heat in Portland today. I mean, so what's, what's the difference of playing it in a heat like that versus playing in a heat here in Arizona, just because it's, you know, just because they're not going to get a lot of day games out of this, you know, big whoop. I mean, you can play day games in March, in April and the beginning of May, if you wanted, if you want exposure like that, play night games in June, July, and August. No, it's no big deal. It's we've dealt with it long enough. So I mean, it, it's not like it's the end of the world. No, it's it's not. And I mean, with modern technologies, like like we talked about, the the ownership groups working to mitigate the mitigate the heat problem. And I mean, if if, if that were one of the reasons that that we did not get an MLS team was our last. Of, of day games 
I mean, that would just be a stupid reason if you asked me. I mean, that's something that could easily be scheduled and worked out, like Jeff talked about, doing the doing the day games early on in the season or something. So, yeah, I, I think that, that it's, just, it's just more talk. You know, more than anything, I think it's just Garber, yeah, kind of just, you know, pushing – what the what the league aspires for, but I mean I don't I don't think that this is a problem for Phoenix. I'm sure that the ownership group has addressed this already. I'm sure it has come up with Don Garber and you know, do we know what the solution will be? Not necessarily we don't even know if the stadium renderings we saw several months ago are final. I mean it's just a rendering. Maybe they went back to the company and said for all we know Hey, look, let's let's modify the design so it's you know going to keep things cooler, or maybe they uh, want it to be closed, or maybe they go to Don Garber and explain everything and say, look, um, you know we're not like a lot of other warm weather cities. Our design is specifically designed to mitigate a lot of your concerns, and you know we can play day matches in March, April, May, and then again like late September, October. Um, so they're not really playing at night throughout the entire season. So I, I wonder if that quote isn't really directed more towards Las Vegas and other markets um, in the Southwest towards the closed stadiums. I mean, we don't we don't know for sure, but I really wouldn't read too much into that. And. That does it for our supporters section questions. So I think we've had a good episode, and I think it's time for closing thoughts. Well, before I get into closing thoughts first, let me bring up a couple of interesting league notes that, that people might want to be aware of. First of all, uh, during the during the uh, All-Star Game festivities, the league did announce that they're going to go to a 33-week schedule next year. Uh Still keep it, still keep it at 34 games, and it still sounds like they're going to keep the two conferences, which is really surprising considering that you're probably looking at close to a 40-team league now uh, in 2019. Um, but it sounds like they're going to keep the the 30 the 34-game format and the two conference format. So that's quite interesting to hear that news out of the league. Um, obviously, the other the the other big news of the week. Austin uh, named its club Austin Bold FC, uh, named a few player signings, named coach, uh, unveiled you know jersey colors and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that works with the whole Columbus Crew Austin, you know, kind of dynamic as as far as that moves on. One last thing, and let me ask your guys' opinion on this. Uh, FC Cincinnati announced this week that they signed uh, Fernando Adi uh, and uh, and Fatai Alashe to the club for the remainder of the 2018 USL season. Interesting that these clubs, that these MLS clubs would release MLS players and interesting that the USL would accept these players and let them play in USL. You think that kind of gives FC Cincinnati a little bit of a conf- of a competitive advantage now as you go into the end of the season? Oh yeah, I think I think this makes them an Eastern Conference favorite. I mean, Fernando Adi. I mean, 
I believe he's the leading goal scorer for Timbers all time. I mean, he is he is a great goal scorer, and I think he will tear it up in the in the USL. And I mean, it's I mean these are two huge signings for FC Cincinnati, and I think yeah, this now makes them a clear favorite. And I mean, I think they're just preparing for MLS. They're really just building their team and continuing uh, where they started. You know, so it's it's crazy. I I was really surprised to see that. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very big jump for them. I mean they've already had an amazing season, um, and now to bring in Adai or Adi and Alash, um, I mean that that really puts them ahead of the curve. And you know if you're USL, maybe if you're another team, you're upset about it. But at the end of the day, Bell just wants to get his name out. They want more attention, you know, nationally, internationally. And what better way to get that attention than to have these two big names play in USL for the rest of the season, get that exposure playing at Nippert, you know, have FC Cincinnati in some high importance playoff matches. Um, I mean, it just it makes sense if you're looking at it from that lens, um, wanting USL to get its name out there, which I think it's shown pretty consistently. That's one of the top priorities um you know maybe that's frustrating for other teams out there but it doesn't really affect us too much so i'm i'm fine with it all right well we'll move into we'll move into closing thoughts now obviously it was a huge win for for phoenix rising this week uh coming off a, a very disappointing loss uh, in salt lake last week uh, you know, Rick Chance is is pulling the is pulling the right uh, strings right now as far as you know putting good lineups together. Um, you know, he's he's really putting the focus on the next game at hand. He's not looking fo- too far ahead. He's not looking back at other things. Obviously, he looked back at this match and, and made a lot of changes to the lineup. But he's he's the type of coach that seems like he can get these guys turned around, you know, after having such a bad result. I mean, look at what, you know, bad loss to Fresno, you turn around, you get a win. Granted, you go to Salt Lake and get a loss, but you got the guys to respond today in a solid effort in Portland. You know, I look for, you know, I look for another solid effort coming, you know, back home. I haven't been home, you know, in a couple of weeks and, you know, I haven't played very much at home since, you know, the beginning of June. You know, you've only played, you know, what, three games at home in the last eight weeks, which is kind of tough. You know, obviously they'll they'll have a stretch of games down the stretch here where they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a good run at home. But, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, can can Rick handle the job? Can he can he do the things that Patrice had done? And, you know, I think the answer to that question very simply is yes, because if Rick couldn't get these guys i mean if they had lost today you know then you know everybody starts well well has rick lost the club or you know can he not get to the players but obviously he's he's gotten to the players the players have bought into this mentality of you know we're all working together you know for the purpose of the team we're not we're not out for individual you know accolades and and everything like that but i think we have a coach that the players are responding very well to. I think that moving forward, I think 
you know, Rick should, you know, I, I, I think we've all thought for, for a long time now that Rick should get the, the permanent position. And I think he will, you know, at some point, you know, I think they'll take the tag off of him at some point and, and give him the run he deserves, you know, but, you know, kudos to him for, for, for pulling the strings today and making a, you know, putting out a great lineup and getting the guys just to, to focus on the task at hand was getting three points on the road, you know, Bring him back home now. Now you get Didier Drogba back on the pitch. You know, you, you know, he, you know, you won't, see, you won't see him on the lineup Saturday night when they play Orange County. You know, but just to have his presence back out on the pitch and having him in practice and having him in training, have him talking to everybody, you know, having him interact, it's going to do nothing but, but be more positive for this club as we move down the stretch in these last 12 matches. You know, and and really focus on getting that top two. Uh, playoff positioning, you know, and get those two home games in the playoffs at least. Yeah, yeah, you made you made some great points, Jeff, and I mean, just just to go off of yours, I mean, I think Ed, the the main thing for me today was the response from the team. Yeah, I mean, just to see us to go out there and to to start well early. To, to not be on the back foot in this match, to go out there and push for a goal to get it, and then just to continue pushing. Um, I mean, yeah, we gave up a couple penalties. I mean, un- unfortunate, but Carl was able to come up huge. Um, and, I mean, they ultim- the one penalty ultimately didn't end up hurting us too much, so, I mean, can't be too upset with that. I mean, from a, from a standpoint of the team, I think that they just need to continue doing what they've been doing. I mean, this... This match against Orange County is going to be a crucial one, but it's also one that, like we talked about, we don't need to go out there and expose ourselves and possibly lose the match early. If we can just stick in the match and even grind out just a 0-0 or a 1-1 draw, that's fine. We can do that, go to Vegas, pick up a win, and come back home against San Antonio. I think we just need to continue doing what we've been doing. Shantz definitely has a hold of this squad they have faith in him and they just need to continue trusting in him because I think I agree he definitely deserves to have the permanent head coaching job I think the interim tag should be taken off of him because I mean he's shown so much growth and development at this club and what he's learned from Patrice I mean we've seen we've seen just the continuation of that team that Patrice had here so for Rick to be able to do that and then put his own little twist and style on it I think it's been great in uh I mean, I'm just, I'm so proud right now to be a Phoenix Rising fan just because, I mean, we're in second place in the Western Conference with 12 games left. I mean, we're in a great position, and we have Drogba coming back into the fold. Everything's lining up for us just to continue doing what we've been doing, and yeah, just start the season, start the season off well, and it's allowing us to end on a good note, and I mean, it's... It's it's crazy how fast it's gone by, and I think these next twelve weeks will go by even faster. So I'm just I'm looking forward to them. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to, uh, both short term and long term, uh, for this season and beyond. So I think the uh, closing thought I have today is, you know, great job this week. Um, really reassuring to see the guys bounce back the way they did. Uh, you know, step up to the plate when they were really needed. And it, we're in such a good position going into these last couple months. The Drogba news is really just the icing on the cake. 
or the cherry on top of the uh, ice cream, whatever you want to uh, say there. Um, so what an awesome day. What an awesome time to be a fan. Um, I mean, this... I know that last week did happen, and I know it was tough to watch, but I think this result is much more indicative of what our team can be and what our team's going to play like come October, November, when the playoffs roll around. So, Anything else to add, guys? No, I think that's going to do it for this week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all good. I got it all out. All right. Well, it was good having Kyle back after a fun week in California. And uh, we will all be back next week at the same time. Um, go rising as always. Go rising. Go rising. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.